to the Triple F Podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. (laughs) We are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Paul Sippel of Community Dining. Paul serves as a community builder, creator, and disruptor, connecting people through shared meals as a part of Community Dining, a group he started in March 2015, aiming to stimulate substantive dialogue and strengthen social bonds. Paul is a former auditor, recovering CPA, (laughs) great guy, an independent registered investment advisor who acts as a crime fighter by day, focusing on covering the fraud, corruption, and conflicts of interest in the retirement plan industry. Today, we sit down and talk about his passions of community dining. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. So Paul, tell us what you do in one to two sentences. By day... I'm a crime fighter exposing the fraud, corruption, and conflicts of interest in the 401k plan industry. And by night, I'm a community builder, creator, and disruptor, connecting people through shared meals, stimulating substantive dialogue, and strengthening the social bonds throughout our neighborhoods with different speakers and themes and possibly soon sponsors taking place at people's homes, private dining spaces with chefs, and restaurants. Okay, Clark Kent. (laughs) I'm joking. Most superheroes actually have a regular job by day. You actually have a crime-fighting day job, which is interesting to say at least. Kind of all over the place with uh, your career path here. Uh, But please walk us through kind of how you got started and all that. Um, Yeah, sure. Um, So about, um, trying to think of how many years ago, it's been about six and a half years ago, I left my firm as an independent financial advisor uh, to specifically focus on the retirement plan industry as a result of a conversation I had with one of my colleagues who informed me that I could look up retirement plan tax forms online. And I started looking more closely at these forums and all of the service charges and started looking into what all these service providers did and the different types of advisors out there and how the advisors got paid and started calling business owners asking if they understood what all these charges were and nobody essentially had any clue. Um, And my company also restricted who I could do business with and how I could do business. And I thought, wow, to make a long story short, I could go completely on my own and potentially change an entire industry just by becoming a consultant and be a lot more free as to how I could do business and who I could do business with. That's really interesting. I feel like a lot of people take into a lot of accounts a lot of things having to do with 401ks. All they care about is matching 401ks, uh, when do I actually get to start, if I have a new job, when can I start putting money in, things of that nature. I think a lot of people just kind of overlook that. They go like a lot on hearsay. Uh, do you think kind of like matching is like the most important thing or what kind of, there's a breakdown from that perspective? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, sure, it's important if the company pays a match, but what people don't realize is just how significant those service fees can be over time. Um, John Oliver, who a lot of people know, who I tell people about a lot because of a video he did on 401k plans, uh, did a good job explaining how these fees work. And because a lot of people are familiar with John Oliver, I thought it would be a good idea for people to watch him. And what people don't realize is, as John Oliver explains, fees are like termites eating away at your plan. And more specifically, a half a percent in extra fees, just half a percent. In many cases, it's worse than that. Over a 30-year period or so could reduce your account balance by up to 28% or possibly more. And that's not including the 28% or more in taxes that are often paid by people upon withdrawal of a traditional plan. So it's a really big deal. That's interesting. So how did you kind of like fall into this? Like you sit there and have the background on financial planning and things of that nature. Were you just kind of the one digging around thinking, how can I disrupt the world of 401ks? You just love crunching numbers so much. What was was kind of the background on you actually getting started on this? No, no. I'm just a financial advisor focusing on other issues. It was literally a conversation with a colleague that led me to look into it. There really wasn't anything else because there is no background that can actually prepare you for it. So walk us through what community dining is. Obviously, being a foodie, I'm all about learning about new food things, new chefs, private places, public places, things all about it. Tell us a little bit more about uh, community dining. Uh, yes, and private dining spaces with private chefs. That's actually one of my favorite uh, parts of the venues to do. So how, how did you kind of uh, come up with this idea for community dining? What was, was the background? What was, what was the trigger for you to do this? People don't just like pull this randomly out of a hat and with all the work that goes into it. I've put together events myself. It's definitely not willy-nilly. You wake up one morning and, hey, I have like 40 extra hours in my work week. I think I can just go put something like this together. That, it's, um, I, it started initially with a chronic health issue, an issue sleeping through the night of all things, that for over eight years, and it's still going on, I have not been able to sleep through the night. And it's uh, you know very frustrating, causing me to exhaust a significant portion of my life savings just trying to resolve the issue. And it led me to an interest in health, wellness, and nutrition. Knowing that I've had this issue that the medical system can't solve, I thought, well, maybe they can't solve it, but at the very least, I can be healthier. And one way to be healthier is to not only eat better, but to understand what you're eating, what you're supposed to be eating, and where your food is coming from. And that led me to do this research and, and compile an extensive list of every restaurant, bakery, caterer, grocery store, juice bar, and delivery service categorized by suburban neighborhood all throughout Chicago that has a focus on local and sustainable sourcing. And I took this list along with over 150 Midwestern farms, where, what they feed the animals, which restaurants they supply, how they're rated by different rating agencies, and even how many feet the animals roam in some cases, and used all that data to help determine the venues and the sourcing for these various community dining events where I connect people through these shared meals, stimulate meaningful and substantive dialogue about pressing community issues, and strengthen the social bonds throughout our neighborhoods at all these different venues. And that's really what community dining is about, given the rich cultural history of the shared meal and how it can foster meaningful, peaceful, and civic dialogue and advance our body of knowledge. What's kind of the uh, general turnout for one of these events? You say in private dining spaces, some people can imagine, you know, 800 people, black tie event kind of thing. 
You're talking about five, six people that show up. They all kind of know each other. What's kind of the usual turnout at some of these events you have? We've had typically 30 to 50 people, sometimes 15 to 20. It's a little smaller at people's homes just because it's hard to find a, a real big space at someone's home. Where you know, we have 10 to 12 people at someone's home, which is still plenty and I think uh, you know, keeps for a, a meaningful experience. So you were talking about how you did all this research on the farm-to-table, fresh stuff, where everything gets from. How did you kind of collaborate and capture all that information that you're talking about for this data. I don't think if you just go on Google and say, find me all the, the local farms here in uh, Chicago area, and then it just pops up right away. How did you go about and collaborate and kind of collect all that? I haven't put it up on the Facebook or website. It's hard to get that data up, but it's just through web searches, through talking to people, through word of mouth, just through various means of investigation. And it's been an ongoing project for about two years now. And every time I learn something new, I verify it and just add it to my database. Um, there's just all sorts of ways to learn. I mean, I go to different food industry networking events and business events all the time. And through those types of channels, I also gather more information. As a attendee of one of your events, uh, you said it kind of ranges from locations, ranges to different topics of events, uh, ranges from different amounts of people who are actually going to be there. What are kind of the expectations as a new attendee when I'm actually coming to like one of your events for the first or second time? There's really no format. There's nothing specific to expect. It all depends on the event. For example, this next event is a discussion of gentrification with an alderman in the first ward in Logan Square, where it'll be more you know mix and mingle and pretty informal. But throughout, but at some point in the evening, we'll stop and allow the alderman to speak about uh, what he's done for his ward, and people have the opportunity to ask questions to the alderman about how his policies have helped shape the ward. The last event was at a private space called Eurolux Interiors, which is this home custom cabinetry space that has a full kitchen inside the space, which is really neat. And um, we had a private chef prepare all these past appetizers, incorporating the saffron from a company called Rumi Spice, where the two co-founders, these girls who are Afghan war veterans and Harvard MBAs that source saffron from rural Afghanistan farmers, all uh, both spoke at the event and gave people background about their businesses. And we also had a wine tasting and various donations from a local organic grocery store called Olivia's Market and a place called Gotham Greens that does uh, some kind of urban farming. And it was just a really fun, interesting experience, along with sourcing from a couple local farms. Um, and one of the farmers was present, and it was so neat, of course, is the private chef incorporating the saffron into all the past appetizers. What's the draw for people who actually are attending this event? Are they coming just to eat healthy, have some good food, or is there kind of other things that they should be expecting as they're actually attending your event? Yeah, very much. It's not the only component because there's often a speaker and a specific theme, as I've described. Uh, but um, and if, for example, the event with the aldermen is uh, actually now going to be at the uh, Logan Square Art Center, which is uh, very much an embodiment of the area in Logan Square. And yeah, it's the food, it's the people, it's the speakers, it's the theme, it's the topic, it's all of the above. Um, community dining isn't just about one area; it's about creating a meaningful and unparalleled social experience. 
So if someone wanted to attend, uh, it seems like coming to a private event with some who's who people of Chicago, what am I expecting for prices? Am I paying like a membership fee to attend on a yearly basis, monthly basis? Am I just uh, paying for like the dinner I want to attend? What, what's kind of the breakdown from that regard? There's no membership fee. The costs can range anywhere from typically 50 to $85. They're not all dinners. Sometimes they're lunches, but most of them have been dinners. And the higher cost is mainly due to the cost of the venue and the cost of the food and often including alcohol or non-alcoholic beverages in the ticket price. And if you really want to create a high-quality, exceptional experience, uh, there's going to have to be, in many cases, a fairly significant cost. Yes, there are some donations, and perhaps the cost can be lower in some cases, but it's okay to, for there to be a significant cost because there's a significant value. So here's something that I think about on a regular basis, right? So people talk about being healthy, wanting to get in better shape, just overall, like, better sense of life, right? But then you have people who uh, penny pinch on the food that they, they buy. It gets cheaper to buy non-organic food opposed to organic food. Uh, you have, like, these farm-to-table kind of dinners where it's super healthy food, but it's 55 to $85 for a meal. It's, it's pretty steep for some people. It's going to hurt the bank, per se. I mean, even people I know, like, argue about going to Whole Foods because it's too expensive, things of that nature. Any thoughts on that? And even at Whole Foods, I mean, not everything is super expensive. There's still healthier and yet lower cost options there. And yet, you know, we spend a lot more of our money on health care than we do on food. And it's been reversed. Many years ago, we spent a much bigger part but part of our budget on food versus health care. And I think the percentages have almost reversed. And, yeah, there's definitely some kind of correlation. But, yeah, it's not just the food. Um, it's okay to eat with other people. There's other aspects to our health, like exercise, um, like the relationships that we have. Um, there's a whole big discussion about what it means to be healthy, and food is definitely a big part of it, but yet community dining is meant to foster camaraderie uh, as well as just, um, quote-unquote, eating healthy. So you've been doing this for about two years, and I can imagine to keep retaining people coming back time and time again you have to have some fun, unique kind of experiences. Anyone that sticks out in particular that was one of your favorites or worth talking about? Um, one of them was a yoga-themed vegan dinner at an art gallery in Wicker Park with a kitchen inside the art gallery, also prepared by a private chef. But what was so neat is we also did composting with a women-owned composting service called Collective Resource. We had sustainable cutlery from a company called Onyx in Chicago, where that was composted. We had um, sustainable and reusable bowls and plates from just salad and preserve. And the preserve plates were actually bought through an online marketplace called True Club, which is also uh, headquartered in Chicago, similar to another company called Thrive Market. Um, in addition, we had donations again from Olivia's Market and Gotham Greens, as well as donations from two other local companies, which are called Social Sparkling Wine and Brew Doctor Kombucha. In addition, we had donations from Paleo Scavenger and Kitch Fix, which both donated granola, and High Vibe Superfood Juiceries, Chocolate Maca and Truff Love Truffles, as well as I Heart Quinoa's Chocolate Puffs, along with a yoga class. And all of those uh, donations were from local companies 
as well. And they were all sourced in, you know, the most sustainable possible way. So it was a really neat social experience getting to not only do a yoga class, but have this really cool dinner prepared by a private chef. And you didn't have to be vegan, but that theme just happened to be a vegan themed dinner. So it was really fun and really well-planned and intricate. Another dinner was a fair trade themed dinner at a culinary bookstore called Read It and Eat, also with a full kitchen in the bookstore, um, prepared by a private chef, which was a Moroccan-inspired dinner with fair trade chocolate, two types, fair trade wine, fair trade tea, fair trade coffee, and even fair and direct trade ice cream from Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream. And the founder, Jenny, actually has two books out that are also sold at that actual bookstore, all taking place during Fair Trade Week, filmed by a University of DePaul student, which is right by the location of the bookstore. And we had all these non-food Fair Trade vendors offering their various bags and garments, along with the executive director of Chicago Fair Trade and the founder of a company called Crop to Cup Coffee, uh, speaking and even debating, actually, about ethical sourcing practices. Um, it was a really interesting, fun experience. So now that you kind of have this community being built around you for community dining, how do you kind of introduce new people to the community dining community, per se, right? Are you kind of one out there uh, doing some exploring? Are you sitting there looking on kind of internet for like hidden gems here in town uh, what is this about like kind of your passion that's driving you to get out there and like really explore and actually create this fantastic community for people to attend and to find like these great places to come together yeah um it's just what that word you said exploring the more that i go to a different business slash political slash networking slash social event literally almost every night of the week and on weekends. The more people you meet, the more people you talk to, the more connections you make, the more you explore, the more you discover these places. But again, I have a database, not just for food, but for event venues. And every time I learn something new, I'm extremely vigilant about adding those places to my database and adding a body of knowledge and building upon that knowledge. We all learn new new information, but we don't always record what we learn. So it's all about the data and it's all about being disciplined about how you build that database. And that's how I learn. I learned about the art gallery from going to a fundraiser. I learned about the read and eat bookstore um, from another person I think I met at one of these events. I learned about Eurolux Interiors from an event where I met someone who worked there and upon telling him about my community dining endeavor, insisted that I check out his place because he has such a great event space. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea just about how you build an organization. So with putting these events together, right, you're talking about some pretty in-depth things that are happening, right? You have private chefs, you have a great location, you have to have everything going well. I've done event planning myself in the past, I'm in the process of doing some right now too, uh, but what what kind of is like the time frame commitment that goes into this for you, right? Like you have like your day job, you're out doing like networking events, right? How are you setting aside a time to actually put these together? Is it something you kind of put up on your website? Hey, like next week we're going to be at the art gallery for this XYZ and then you spend like half a day planning it out or what, what's kind of like the, the plan from going that perspective? 
Yeah, I, I plan these events months beforehand, typically. Um, sometimes there's a there's shorter notice that makes it more difficult. Uh, but absolutely, it, these events take a lot of planning. So when someone attends, right, and you talk about, hey, fair trade stuff or vegan stuff or specialty stuff, um, I feel a lot of people might have food preference differences, allergies, etc., right? Um, so someone who's attending, how would they kind of know what's on the menu or what to expect outside of saying, hey, XYZ chef's going to be there, hey, XYZ is supplying food? What's, what's, what's kind of the expectations for people to actually understand what they're getting into? Because, you know, spending 50 to $85 is, is kind of a lot. So you want to make sure that you actually go and attend and actually are going to enjoy or even be able to eat the food either from preference or dietary restrictions? Um, sometimes the menu is published beforehand. Sometimes it isn't. If there are people that have questions, you know, I can privately contact the chef uh, to get an idea of the type of food so I can communicate with those people properly. What's the best way to find out about these uh, upcoming events that you have going on? Uh, just go on my website, uh, communitydining.com, and the, web, the events are posted right there. There's a contact us page where you can immediately sign up for the Community Dining newsletter and uh, email me at paul at communitydining.com. Um, info at communitydining.com works just as well. Yeah. Oh, and one other thing, there's also social media, it's actually, not only is the website communitydining.com, but it's at Community Dining on all social media channels, which is both a Facebook page and group, as well as Instagram and Twitter. You can literally find me just by going to Community Dining through those outlets. So it seems like a, a pretty big task for one man to handle. <laughs> Obviously, you have the chef, you have the art gallery and stuff, but are you just handling this all by yourself? Do you have a team working with you? How does this all kind of play out? I did have a volunteer for this past event just because there were so many people. We had over 50 people, and it's just a little easier in some cases to have a volunteer just uh, helping run everything. But typically, I can do this on my own. It's not easy, but if you're organized, you can do it. As the events increase in number, then yes, I will start building more of a team. Um, and especially as I'm starting to you know, finally derive, uh, finally become cash flow positive, which takes a while to build up a group, as I'm sure you can understand, uh, then I'll have a need for more of a team as well. Where do you kind of foresee this community dining growing into from now until kind of the, the, the near future? I see, hopefully, a different event with every alderman, for example, in every ward with topics uh, discussed that are pertinent to that particular ward and district with other elected officials. I see, hopefully, regular vegan and paleo events, specifically a vegan event coming up with the, uh, the Smoke and Fire Supper Club, which is a weekly vegan supper club co-sponsored by the Factory Farming Awareness Coalition. So we're going to have different speakers along uh, the lines of topics that the Factory Farming Awareness Coalition deals with, which I thought would be a really good natural fit with a private vegan supper club and community dining. So I see more regular specific themes um, in regular locations instead of... Um, just sporadic one-off events going on. I had to experiment the first couple of years just with different themes and events, and it's taken a while to get to this point, but I'm getting closer to having more regular events um, 
in a kind of more regimented manner. So who generally attends these events? Do you have kind of a regular core group of people that always attend to the same kind of 25, 30 people? Is it usually new people that you've met along the way? Is it kind of a, a flux of people that come around once in a while, familiar faces? What's kind of the breakdown of people to expect at these events? Mostly new people. There's a handful of regulars. Um, there's a lot of people who really want to come but are just too busy or can't always afford to come all that often. But USA Today recently did a story uh, interviewing one of my guests who brought her significant other for his birthday uh, to one of my dinners, which was a sustainable farming practices themed dinner. And it's really great to be marketed as a means to give a unique gift. This happened on two other occasions where two other couples attended my dinner uh, where one of them bought the dinner as a birthday gift for a significant other. And the whole idea of giving a dinner as a gift is a really great way to expand community dining. Giving this as a gift seems absolutely phenomenal. I know so many people who would love to attend a fun little dinner party like this, so I'm definitely going to be using this as a gift of choice. There you go. Yes, for a lot of different people. It doesn't have to be a birthday or a holiday. You can just give it as a gift for you know, an appreciation of something. Well, as we wrap up here, Paul, anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we close up? Anything, um, just to check out communitydining.com that there's a lot of other exciting events coming up and that community dining is a unique way to connect and the whole idea is that communities are not networks. Networks are environments where we connect with people by exchanging only a small part of ourselves in return for a short-term benefit. Whereas a community is aimed to create a comfortable environment where we can bring our whole selves, where in the absence of business cards, a Rolodex of contacts, and a resume, we are still a valuable member of the community because the experience is meant to be an end into itself. It's not meant to exchange connections or business cards, although it's fine to do so, and I don't mind people doing it, but that's not the purpose unto itself. It's not meant to solve social problems either. It's not meant to solve poverty or inequality. That's not meaning that we can't talk about those issues, but it's not meant to do something in the future. You're there to truly have fun. As opposed to a networking event, you might have fun, but you're there to accomplish something specific. You're not trying to accomplish anything as part of community dining. You're simply meant to be grounded in a unique, and I want to use these words and emphasize them, pure and authentic social experience. All right, Paul. Well, this was absolutely phenomenal. I'm really looking forward to attending some events. Uh, this is incredible. I feel it has will have a great impact on the Chicago community as a whole. Learning about all these great things, getting to connect with other people like-minded, and just kind of meet people that we look up to in society is just fantastic. We really appreciate you being on the show today. Okay, thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed that show. It was absolutely fantastic. I, for one, am so excited about community dining. Actually, since he and I recorded this episode, fun little story. So after the recording, he and I were just chatting about, you know, usual stuff, things going on, upcoming events. And he mentioned to me about a community dining event he had on February 15th. So I said, I'll sign up, I'll go check it out, right? It was on uh, gentrification, you know, no big deal. Just a topic worth discussing for sure. 
A couple days later, Paul actually made it out to my Super Bowl party. We're sitting there talking and kind of telling uh, the party about community dining and how everything is going in that regard too. And he goes, you would not believe it. The place we actually booked for our dinner backed out due due to some bad press written about their restaurant in the news. I have nowhere to host my dinner on the 15th. And I said, hey, I've got the perfect place for you. Ended up referring to my old boss's house who happens to rent out his house for parties. So we show up and what all this was was a chat with a bunch of different people, uh, food provided by Chef Eric Villano, and a discussion of gentrification, which you know has been an issue of serious contention throughout the neighborhoods of Chicago. One of the main guests who actually attended was Alderman Joe Moreno. So everyone had a chance to talk to him freely, openly, just like networking discussion kind of style about his policies and initiatives that helped shape his ward. It was absolutely incredible. It was great connecting two parts of my life, past and present, together to make this come together. Now, don't get me wrong. Nothing about gentrification would be without anything great when you have protesters outside. (laughs) Had to walk through a picket line and things else just to get into the house, but absolutely worth it. I love this chance to spend my first event with Paul at my friend's house. I'm really looking forward to more events through Community Dining. Go ahead, check them out at communitydining.com. This episode is sponsored by Lunar Ball. Lunar Ball is Chicago's largest fundraiser for Asian American young professionals and friends, which will be held Saturday, March 25th at the elegant Wintrust Grand Banking Hall. Lunar Ball attracts 800 plus of Chicago's most accomplished young professionals from over 30 different organizations for an evening of drinks, food, entertainment, and networking. So come join them, have fun, support community charities, and celebrate the Year of the Rooster. Cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> this event sells out every year, so make sure you secure a spot soon. I personally will be there. It'll be absolutely phenomenal. Looking forward to it. Please come say hi. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 